This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Fresca, and welcome back to our podcast. Uh, Tommy, today we're, uh, we're doing a special one in lieu of Black History Month. Yeah, for African-American History Month, this is someone that, um, again, we've talked about doing a number of times, all right? We pro- I think we probably mentioned him probably in some other podcasts here or there, but um, if you're looking for American sport figures or American icons, he's definitely got to be in the top of those lists, right? All of them. So we're looking at the former heavyweight champion of the world, the greatest. We're looking at the one, the only Muhammad Ali, the first man to win the heavyweight title three times. Trent said that sports, right? For his outspokenness oh, yeah. on like race issues, religion, politics. He became, he was a controversial figure, I would say for a while in his career. And then he kind of became almost like this, like um, symbol. civil right yeah. symbol, civil rights icon, humanitarian icon later on in his career. But he was also known for his like, you know, quips and his taunts, fast fists, basically. So he was... That's an American icon. He basically. was larger than life. Uh, yeah, oh, without was, a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, um, an American legend in a sense. Whether you know whether you like him or not, and some things we are going to talk about today, and specifically pertaining to the Vietnam War, and um, and maybe some a little bit about his just outgoing and brash attitude. I, I mean, he really kind of turned some people off. So again, there's no way of going around the fact that he was a controversial figure. However, he still goes down as, as you mentioned, one of the most. Uh, I, I'm almost positive, actually, he was named the athlete of his century. Athlete of the century was where he was named, you know, greatest sportsman several times, one of the best boxer of all time, or one of the best boxers of all time. And depending on the magazine you're looking for, and just when you're saying, that, I was thinking, Pete, like, I wonder if he was a if he was alive today, say, like in his prime today, like, would he be considered as controversial? Right. I mean, God I knows. think a lot I mean, of look at people, Kanye West. I mean, with stuff he says, and he's still got followers. Like, I yes, don't know. But, but just like what he says now is kind of like people are like, well, yeah, you know, like, like some that is true. Equal. I don't know if it would be as controversial. It was definitely in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, but you know, when we get into it, I mean, the stuff he he was saying, yeah, a lot of stuff he said, yeah. it made a lot yeah. of sense though. Quite frankly, I mean, if, even we'll get into this. I didn't really know about it until I started researching this. He's considered as a great inspiration for many rappers. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, because he poets. did a lot of spoken. So he did yeah. a lot of spoken word and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of things I was not aware of when I started doing this research. So let's get into Muhammad Ali. We'll kind of run through really quickly his upbringing and how he got into the sport and then kind of how he became popular within the sport. Then we'll get into some of the major battles and that you know, he fought some of the major fights that are you know kind of entrenched in American sports, but also cultural history. And then we'll talk about some of the, the controversies that surrounded uh, Muhammad Ali and, and some of the legacy that uh, has remained since his death. All right, so he was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, yeah, 1942. 1942. Started training as an amateur boxer at the age of 12. But did you see why? Did you see that story? Yeah, that was the police officer. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Go yeah ahead. So, so the police, basically someone stole his bike and he went to report it. Remember, this at the time he was born Cassius Clay. We have to make sure we uh, touch on that. And um, significance of that name is he was actually named in honor of a politician, an abolitionist, Cassius Marcellus Clay. So that's yeah. actually his father's uh, paternal grandparents were John Clay. So that's how he got that name. But anyway, they were, yeah, so they were, they were abolitionists yeah. and they were white. They, they were white. Yes. He was named yeah. after that. Yeah. Yep. And he, um, his, anyway, getting back to that, his bike was stolen. So he went to the police station and he said, you know, I want he crying and upset that his bike got stolen. He says he wants to find the person and pummel him, like beat him up. The police officer, a man by the name of Joey Martin, he was said, well, how are you going to do that? Do you know how to fight? And he's like, I know I'm just going to beat him up. And he's like, no, you have to learn how to fight. So he actually, took him under his wing. He was a boxing trainer and started yeah. training Ali at 12 years old. And that's basically how it started. And he just be, started, you know, he was good at it, right? He was teaching him like how to, how to like move around the stamina and stuff like that. And for the last four years of his career, he was uh, trained by there. And that's what he did. He just was an amateur boxer. He didn't say he had over a hundred victories yep. at that yep. point. And he goes on to uh, actually fights in the, uh, Wins light heavyweight gold in the Olympics in 1960. That was important too, because in the Olympics you couldn't be pro. So yeah, that's could be the pro key yet, here yeah. that he is basically an amateur fighter. Uh, who, are, I mean, again, it wasn't an easy way for him to get to that point because he did lose some fights, but he learned a lot. And by the time 1960 comes around, you know, here's a young Cassius Clay going for a, an American boxing team, and he wins the light heavyweight gold medal. Which event? Did you hear that? He apparently at one point there's rumors that he threw it. He threw it in a river. He when he got upset later on when he came back because he went to a 
um, like a bar or something, a restaurant, and they refused to serve him because he was black. So he yeah, they said he, they said yes, yeah, so he threw in there. There was other claims that said that never happened, and apparently yeah. one of his biographies, Ali, just says he lost the medal a few days later. Yep, he they did also, give he, him right. He did get one, yeah, because he was the um, torchbearer in the '96 Olympics. I remember, yep. that. I remember, I, I was do, watching. I that remember TV. that too, actually. Watching I said that was a huge thing because I was like, who's going to be the torch? It was like Muhammad Ali it was like this big moment because he was such like a statesman and human. You know, at that point in his life, and he was already sick by then too. So people are oh, like, was, like, can he do it? Well, well, we'll get to it. He was sick yeah. when he was still boxing. Like, we'll get to yeah. that. Yeah, so he lit and they gave him a um, a medal there. He placed a medal at a basketball intermission during the 96 Olympics. I watched a documentary about that when he was actually lighting the torch. There was uh, They created a special torch that would not go out because they knew that with his yeah. Parkinson's. Parkinson's, he yeah, was shaking. Like, they, yeah. he was shaky, and they were like, oh, he might not be able to do this. Even the night before when they were doing like a dry run of it, like he kept on like dropping it. And they were like, oh, man, like, is this like this is going to work out? But he, you know, he did it at the actual, um, you know, ceremony. But there was a lot of a lot of people behind the scenes were like, oh, man. Well, that's just show. I mean, as we'll talk about, I think that just shows like his career. Like whenever it was like the biggest moments when he needed to shine, he usually did. Yeah. So you can look at it that way. You know, he came through in that moment. And that's, that's what he needed to do. That moment was carry that torch. All right. So shortly after the uh, Summer Olympics of 1960, uh, Cassius Clay becomes a professional and makes his professional debut. October 29th, 1960, he winds up winning a six-round decision. After that, going forward, he this is kind of also he's winning, but he's not like knocking people out. He's he's no, just no. he's just kind of winning. He was, I mean, I guess he was a knockout guy, but like we, when we think knockouts, we think like Mike Tyson, right? Yeah. Like he was, but um Clay had, what, 50-some-odd wins. Uh, he had 61 total fights, 56 wins, and 37 of them came by KO, uh, by knockout. A lot of those were technical knockouts. So he, his main skill was that he had power. I'm not trying to diminish yeah. that. And I'm not a, neither one of us are, like, big boxing historians. Yeah. You know, I've probably, you know. That would be um, cool, though. What do you I'm do? A, oh, I'm a boxing historian. Yeah, like I, I remember watching boxing. My father was definitely into boxing. I remember watching it a lot with him. I seen all the Rocky movies, which we'll talk about because it was actually inspired. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I got that. a connection with Ali. That most most people know that, yeah. and I know about some other things that Ali did. But I remember, you know, being growing up watching wrestling. He was a lot of times involved in wrestling because he loved wrestling, which we'll talk about. Well, sure. actually, we should talk about now. wrestling now because this is the time yes. in early 1960s where he gets gorgeous George. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right, you want to get into that because wrestling's your thing. Well, yeah, I'm like sure. I, well, it is. So, no, um, <laughs> I had to look up Gorgeous George. I, I literally had to look you, this guy you up. Never heard, was, you never heard of Gorgeous George? No, I uh, didn't even know wrestling was a thing in 1940s. They're like in 1940s, he was really big in a W. I'm like, what? We talked. We talked wrestling? about that. 1940s. Uh, so, well, <laughs> Gorgeous George was a wrestler. He came out, um, you know, the, and like that. I guess they call it like the golden age of wrestling, whatever, in the 40s and 50s. And he was one of the biggest stars, uh, mostly because he had like the beach, the like the blonde hair, but he would wear these robes and he would taunt his opponents, and that's really where Cassius Clay started learning about these the trash talk, right? Yep. He learned it. He would go and see George's ability to talk at these crowds and just like get these people just eating out of the palm of his hand by saying these things. Like now that's what you would see if you watch promos from like Steve Austin or the 80s Hulk Hogan, you know, The Rock, things like that, like those catchphrases, you know, and things like that. That's where Ali really gets a lot of these. And they well, they meet like, and they meet in 1961. Yeah, they meet. Yeah, he, he loves it. Yeah, they become friends. And Ali actually has a couple of wrestling matches, I guess we can talk about later on. But he meets them, they become friends, and he really learns how to do this from Gorgeous George. Just like trash talking, but also becoming a big bragger because he knows people then will come out and they, he's showing personality so people will pay more money. He's, yep. He really sees boxing as, although he loves boxing, you know, the sweet science, whatever you want to call boxing, but also the promotion of it. I, I, this is a way that I can make a lot of money doing this, right? He realizes, you know, I'm getting punched for a living. There's only so many years you can do this. So like, let's, I try to make as much money as I possibly can during this window. And one way to do this is if you can get these huge crowds, you can get these huge crowds by this trash talking of opponents and stuff like that. People like it. Yeah. And I mean, literally, this was just a, a means to get people's butts into the seat. Attention. They get, and, the, the, yeah, yeah. they get the press talking about them. People are going to read it. They're going to hear it on the radio and maybe see it on TV later on. And then they're going to come and see the fight. They're yeah. just interested. They're interested. Yeah, and they said it, even even if he pissed people off, that was he also said that in a later interview. Like yeah. even if he pissed people off, people would still come and see him to they just see to see him lose. Yeah, they, they want to see angry. him lose or they want yeah. to see him win. Like that's yeah. a, it's the same thing. I don't want to get this isn't like a wrestling podcast, you know. There's so uh, many of those out there, but like yeah, even like today, like the wrestlers, like you pay to see the ones that you want win, but you also pay to see the ones you want to lose lose. Like that's yeah. what it is. That's it's drama, and that's what Ali recognized, and that's what he's doing um, from this point really. 
on. He does it when he starts fighting. Um, well, he beats Sonny Liston, right? Well, let's get he to become, Liston because he's 21 yeah. years old. This, yeah, this is his first big fight. It's 1963. Cassius Clay uh, is the top contender for Sonny Liston's title. So Sonny Liston is the champ. The fight is set for uh, February 25th, 1964. 1964. So he's about 21, 22 years old. And Liston was a very like dominating fighter. I mean, criminal yeah. past, right? He had ties to the mob. Like this guy was the real deal. He was a champ and he people are generally kind of afraid of him. Obviously, this is where the whole Clay show starts. The pre no Ali. Now he's yeah. still Cassius Clay. Yeah, so he's calling him names, right? He's yeah, a big ugly bear. You big, smell ugly like bear, a bear. You smell like a bear. So he's doing all this. He's like, ah, you know, something stunts right out of wrestling, right? After I beat him, I'm going to donate him to the zoo. Like these yeah. are things that, again, people in the 60s, you didn't hear this stuff. You know, yep. you didn't hear these sorts of things from like professional boxers and stuff like that. And even Sonny Liston was like, this was getting him angry. Like, yep. and this is one other thing that they said Clay would do at the time. It's just, it would get their opponents off their game. They're not going to stick to their game plan necessarily. But they just want to knock them out. And he was fast and he was agile. So he knew he could dodge a lot. He could take a lot of punishment too. Let him tire out. And that's when, that's when he would start his style. But it was all really part of, yes, it was to get people into the game, like into the match. But it was also to get people to just like, get into his opponent's head and help him win the, win, win the boxing yeah. fight. And this almost, he almost didn't win this one uh, because of a trick, actually, that was uh, never really proven, but suggested. Yeah, but was, I, I saw this. Yeah, yeah. Basically, halfway through Talked the fight, this. yeah, like Cassius Clay's Fourth winning. Round. Things are, yeah, things are happening, you know, halfway through, and all of a sudden. No, cut no. Liston, right? Like, yeah. he punched Liston in the eye, and he cut him. It's the first time Liston gets cut, and yeah. that's what leads to this. So, yeah, go ahead. I Just to give a little backdrop. Yeah, there. so then, yeah, so at that point, at one point, Ali, or Cassius Clay, rather, walks up to his corner and basically asks his trainer, like, stop the fight. Like, I can't see. Stop the fight. And the my trainer's like, burning, yeah. yeah, like, my eyes are burning. Like, I can't see. And the guy's like, we're not stopping this fight. Essentially, what what supposedly happened is Liston put some special, his guys put some special ointment, right? Well, yeah, they usually, they, usually, well, usually they put it on the eye to stop the bleeding, but they also supposedly rubbed it on his gloves. So when he punched, it would get in the person's eyes and it would burn. And, and that's what they were saying. And then there, apparently there was a lot of other, other boxers opponents who complained about the same thing, about fighting against Linson, that their eyes were burning. Now, this is in the 60s in boxing. It was still like a – it was like a – it was, it was a, a free-for-all. It was yeah. a free-for-all. Yeah. A lot of this stuff was crazy. Um, but, you know, whether or not that happened or who knows. But eventually he survived the fifth round. And then after that, like the, his sweat and stuff basically rinsed the irritation from his eyes. And, and then, then he went the crazy. Sixth and, round, he just yeah. started hitting Liston repeatedly, and then Liston didn't answer the bell for the seventh round. He was declared winner by TKO because he couldn't answer the bell. And then later, Liston says that he um, injured his shoulder, and that's actually why he why he stopped. Yeah, did you see the when, answer? Did you see the answer to that? Yeah, well, go ahead. Again, this is like one of those like wrestling like quips, you know? Yeah, they said uh, it, uh, he didn't come out because, like I said, he injured his shoulder, and then uh, Ali said, "Yeah, swinging at nothing." Who wouldn't? Listen, yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah. And this is when he's screaming, like, eat your words. He said, I'm yeah, the greatest. He starts screaming at the actual, uh, he runs up to the, uh, the, like the, the, the yeah. ring and to the reporters. Yeah. And he's like, eat your words. I'm the greatest. I shook the world. I'm the yeah. prettiest thing that ever lived. Like, this is this, like, he's a showman. But he also just won championship. Heavyweight championship. Heavyweight championship. 22 years old. At 22 years old, yeah. Who eventually becomes so. the boss of this, though? Oh, the youngest champion ever. That's Mike Tyson. Right? Yeah. He yep. becomes a he becomes at twenty. I guess we could do one on Tyson, his cultural He's, impact. At right. some Maybe point we could too. get him on the on a podcast. So. You know. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it a shot. Why yeah, we'll not? Give it a shot. Well, we'll we'll have uh, our people call his people. And That's right. Our people. That's um, right. Our, our people. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's so, talk to our people. I'll see. I'll have, I'll have my wife do it. We'll see. What yeah, happens. yeah. I was gonna say she might. She always gets <laughs> things done. Um, yes, that's true. So yeah, but anyway, he's twenty two years old. Prior to that, the youngest uh, one person to ever win it was at twenty one. But still, I mean, he's super young. He's the champion of the world at twenty two years old, which I is can't. super young. Super yep. young. And it's also shortly, you're right. And shortly thereafter, he starts to really question his name. Um, And he initially starts calling himself Cassius X because he doesn't want to be associated with the Clay name, claiming that this guy was an abolitionist. But at the same time, he still owned slaves at some point. And why would he be associated with the name of a white slave owner at any point in that life? So he starts calling himself Cassius X right, you know, right before he converts to Islam. Um, which is very known, and he takes a new name of Muhammad Ali. Yeah, right? this is what he goes through. So th- th- this is his new name. This is Muhammad Ali. But what's really interesting is that very few people were calling him Muhammad Ali. What to piss him off? Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Well, yeah, other boxers piss him off. Also, like journalists and stuff like that. Like Howard Corsell was one of the first ones to be like, "You want to be called Muhammad Ali? I'll call you Muhammad Ali." Like I don't know. Yeah. 
what like that's your name you want to be called? Okay. Right. But a lot of people are still calling him Cassius Clay. Like a lot of like news reporters were calling him Cassius Clay. The boxers did it just to get into his head, just to like, you know, piss him off, which yeah. obviously will. And we'll he did. About. He he kept on getting angry. Every time there was a press thing where yeah. they would meet beforehand, uh, they would be like, how you doing Cassius? And he'd be like, that's not my name. That's not my name. Like, he, you know, he initially, initially, he officially rather does change his name once he converts to Islam. And, and that becomes yes. his religion and very much like his new identity. And also oh, yeah, leads no to like his draft refusal later on, and so on and so forth. And I think well, it shapes his life. It shapes his. It's his religion, so it's going to have a major impact on his life. Like that's yep. what it's going to be. Even though he shifts um, eventually away from the um, nation of Islam, he becomes a Sunni uh, Muslim yep. Um, yep. later on. But yeah, so he's fighting. It's during this time that too he's eventually going to have a. Well, he has a rematch first. That was rematch. Important. He has to have a rematch. Yeah, because he has the fi- rematch with uh, the Linston. fake. Uh, with a phantom punch, yeah. But which, yes. if you really watch, I was watching the video right before this actually, just to like see it again. He does connect with a punch. The phantom punch is like he. What happens is Liston oh, yeah, comes explain in. Explain that because this is interesting. Liston, a uh, Sunny Liston comes for comes charging at Ali, and Ali kind of sidesteps and does this like lower jab punch. It cle- it connects very cleanly right to the side of his head, and he does throw another like looping punch over that does miss. So I think a lot of times when people sort, they thought like the, the looping punch. Yeah, was, was the one that, that missed supposedly? The yeah, because Linston does fall down. He's falling down. As Ali's throwing, he's falling down. So it does look like he swings and the guy goes down, but he was still feeling the effects from that first punch. And a lot of boxing historians, from what I was able to read and come up with, is that they said, listen, like the first punch definitely knocked him down. They're just not sure if Liston decided, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to get up now. This was, was a minute into the match. It like, was really controversial because, yeah, it was a difficult to see, right? and he got knocked out, but the referee didn't begin to count immediately because Ali refused to retreat to the neutral corner. So, listen, eventually rose up after getting about 20, 30 seconds. seconds. Yeah. And the fight moment, and then it, the fight continued for a little bit. For like 30 and, seconds. Yeah, and then um, and then like the referees on the side came in and stopped the match. And They're like, yeah, he was down for more than knockout. 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah, so the entire fight lasted about two minutes. Yeah, and then there's a lot of speculation what was going on. They knew um, Sonny Liston did have some um, connections to the mob, so they're thinking that um, maybe he did that to pay off debt, you know, debt to the mob. Others say that it was threats from the Nation of Islam itself. Um, the others say that he took a dive, he took a bet against himself and took a dive. But if if you actually look at the slow motion replay, it's a great video out of on YouTube. Obviously, he got hit with a really really hard shot right right to the jaw that would have yeah. you know definitely knock him down. It was just whether it was a knockout punch that some people to this day are still going to like debate, but you know that's just always going to be debated. Yep, and I think the next the next fight because we're not going to get into all his fights, but the next no. fight that we kind of should mention before we talk about the fact that he's kind of suspended um, more or less uh, for four years, um, he does fight Floyd uh, Patterson, who he a- yeah whom he calls all kinds of like Uncle Tom. You're like. Uh, yeah. You know, like, again, getting into the whole race thing, this is, after all, civil rights movement times. And he's saying, like, you fight for the white man and, and it just completely offending this guy. There's an interesting story here because critics said that he basically was toying with Patterson. Um, yeah, that, it was, that it was, yeah, that it was just brutal, hard to watch. Hard to watch because Patterson had no shot and he was just talking about it. But what's interesting, in 72, when Patterson was struggling financially, Ali actually arranged a second fight just so that way the former champ could have enough money to pay off his debt, um, which I think was kind of cool. And yeah, a lot of them to do this for the money. Because the box, they make a lot of money, but they're also spending so much with like so many people get it too. You know what I mean? Like the promoters get a piece of the money, the, you know, the, all the handlers and stuff like that. So it's, you need money for training. So yeah, a lot of these boxers wind up going broke and that's what happened with, uh, with Patterson at that point. All right. So let's get into the suspension because I think that this is important and everyone that studies yeah. boxing and just history of the sport will tell you that we never got to see Ali in his prime. In his prime, because he missed three years where he would have been in his prime. He was yep. undefeated heavyweight champion of the world at this point, and he gets drafted into the Army, because the Army did lower the yep. standards in in 66 um, to permit soldiers above. Because Ali was, you know, he was too tall, whatever that. But he was not eligible for the 1A draft. And yep. obviously, he was never going to see combat as being what he was. But, you know, the what athletes usually do when they get put in, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, but he said no, I'm not doing. He's my. That's, he says they're not my enemy. To get comps on enemy, they never did anything to me. I'm not going over there. He's like, there's injustice here. You want me to go shoot brown people in Vietnam? 
when you know the the people in Louisville. Yeah, you said like black people can't get a hamburger. Yeah, you know, they they don't get simple human rights, and you want me to go fight in a jungle. So among other colorful words and stuff like that. So yeah, he just said I'm not going to do it. Then he could have faced five years in prison and a ten thousand dollar fine, but he just said, well, I'm not going. And then because of that, then. He gets stripped of his title and his boxing license. And that's really the big thing is he gets stripped of his boxing license. So nowhere in the United States, is he they won't sanction his fights. So because he can't fight, that's why he gets his, the title stripped from him. He does, though, uh, claim or incites his religious beliefs as an opposition yeah, con- to American. As a, and that's a bit, yeah, and he, as a conscientious Because that's, what it gets, that's how it goes into court. It's yeah. the idea he's saying, for because of my religious beliefs, I am a conscientious objector. And that's kind of how the lingo goes in court, where eventually this case is dismissed. But by then, it's three, four years later by the time this case is dismissed. But he doesn't go to jail because that's how long it takes for the case to really all these li- all these liberations. Yeah, and they actually had a lot of uh, professional athletes came out and supported him. Yeah. They had something known as the Cleveland Summit. I'm sure you saw this. I saw the Kareem Abdul Jabbar. It's often it's often called the um, Muhammad Ali Summit. We had a Kareem Jabbar, like Jim Brown, Bill Russell, a lot of all and political leaders all come together. And they say, you know, they just met with him to see, like, how serious are you about this and whether or not they're going to support him. And when they did, that kind of started to shift a lot of public support also to Ali's favor. Plus, as the time went on, the war during those three years, the war was also becoming more and more unpopular. Right. Yeah. Just listen to our um, 1968 podcast. Right. Whether they, you know, talking about the Tet Offensive, stuff like that. So the war started to become more and more unpopular at that point. And Ali was just seeing public light a little better. Know by a lot of people who didn't like him because he was calling him a draft dodger. That wasn't really the case anymore, yeah. you know, right? That's what is that what you kind of got from it too? That's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah, same thing. Like, there were still a lot of people that hated him, but not yeah, as it, it wasn't like the, it wasn't the public's. It wasn't everybody against him like it was before. A lot of people could see could understand what he was saying more or yeah. less. No, I mean I, he definitely brought a lot of attention because there is. A, an impact of his draft reviews, right? He brought a lot of attention to the civil rights issues yes, at the absolutely. time um, because he was going saying, okay, I'm not doing this because obviously of my convictions and my religion, but also I'm not doing this because I'm not going to go and fight for freedom somewhere else when, when my people don't have freedom in this country. And that's kind of what brings exactly. attention to the African-American struggle. Although, you know, so many people were drafted and didn't have the, I guess, the liberty to say like, well, I'm not doing it. Um, that there was a lot of yeah. resentment, you know, from blacks and whites, you know, like, dude, yeah, like so you're a draft dodger, like you're not going to fight. Yeah. A lot of people got drafted and they, especially because he would, again, like I said before, he, not that it was anything, I'm not trying to diminish it, but he wasn't going to see combat. You know what I mean? You were going to see Muhammad Ali with a, with a rifle in the jungles of Vietnam. That yeah, no, that's, look what happened you know to Elvis. I mean? Like Elvis but, did then same thing. Yeah, like, but, but look at, but then the, now, av- the, the average Joe from somewhere, you know, from Tennessee, you know, who doesn't have the connections, doesn't have the money, he gets drafted, he's going, and he is going to be given a, you know, a rifle and set, go and fight, you know, Viet Cong. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guess that's why you're saying, all that resentment was coming from, from people going there, the families or people who are here, veterans coming back. Uh, but he's still, protesting during this time and i thought one of the most interesting he he something he did was uh the super fight did you see this i did that was like ahead of its time that was ahead of its time especially from the 60s basically they were you know who would win rocky mercenariano who was considered a great Legend. boxing champion right undefeated he was undefeated retired champion rocky mercenariano or muhammad ali so originally um ali actually sued them because i guess they did like a um they made a, they, they made a claim they, that, Ro- they that made a what's claim his name would win, it, yeah. that Rocky Marciano would Marciano win. Marciano would win. So they sued him. So he sued, saying like suddenly like slander and stuff. So they eventually agreed to appear in these the stage fight where you had both of them because Rocky Marciano was still alive at this time too. They um, kind of like filmed like sparring, one minute rounds, yeah, seventy five one minute rounds, and they produced all these like different outcomes. Right, the computer. That. They and, put it through a computer algorithm. Yeah, the computer determined the winner based on the data of the fights, and along yeah. with all these like boxing um, experts. And then they edited them all together. They actually showed them in movie theaters, and it made a lot of money in 1970. It yeah. made a lot of money. And Ali lost the, the um, simulated 13-round knockout. He lost. However, if you go to Europe, the Europe cuts, he actually won due to um, a stoppage of the fight because Marshawn had too many cuts. Yep, so the joke. Yeah. Yeah, so the computer was made in Alabama. Yeah, if he said it was, he a racist, it was a racist computer. A racist computer. So yeah. but it was one of those you know simulations. And I think they do something with that too in the um, – the, uh, the Rocky one, movie, of the, right? one of the Rocky movies, yeah, the Rocky. Uh, I think Rocky Balboa when he fights uh, Mason Dixon 
Yeah. They did like uh, the, they do uh, like a simulation at the beginning. Com- com- yeah, a computer simulation where Rocky would beat that guy and then they want to fight in real life. Now this fight wasn't going to happen obviously in real life, but again, it keeps his name out his name is out there. People still want to see him box. Like what could yep. possibly happen? And then later on in um 1970, like you said, that's he when he gets returns. his appeal and that's when he's going to come back in his first match. He wins in three rounds. It was um it, against someone named Jerry Quarry, really yep. who I guess claimed the fame is that he was Muhammad Ali's comeback fight. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Need to mention the fact that like he doesn't get a shot right away. No, uh, like the championship fight, like he lost all his stuff, even though he was a champion yeah. and it was all taken away three. Four yeah, he said. Before. Yeah, but a lot of people were still considering him the heavyweight champion. Like if he didn't lose a title, you're still the champion. That's what a lot of the boxing writers were saying. You know, they're still considering him the champion. That's why the current champion Joe Frazier really wants to fight him. And then this is just like a massive. Um, I've seen event. a document. There's, there's a docu- documentary there's about ton it. Of bo- there's a bunch of documentaries on this one. Yeah. There are a whole bunch of documentaries. You know, because they fight three times. This is the first one. The fight of the century is what it's called. And there's just like – And it's talking, dirty because of I like – I remember talking about my dad about it because my dad yeah. was actually watching it and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was just – it became a spectacle. And it's really like a major thing in American sports but also world. Like just like what was going on because it was kind of like the um, – conservative versus the liberal almost in a way right like this and this, out, this smack new talk generation nuts that, yeah back and forth yeah so yeah i'm sure what, i don't know what you want to say well on, but yeah. yeah lee called him uh, that's another thing so one thing frazier kept on belittling him and call him hey cassius clay hey Cass. yeah, on, like, purpose, on purpose on purpose yeah. on tv he refused to call him muhammad ali and then he would call frazier dumb and he would be like you're like a tool of white just a white establishment that's like anti-black and and then he would say like frazier you're too dumb to be a champ and then at one point he even said like I like Ali says I'm fighting this for the little man in the ghetto, um, you know the poor blacks. And Frazier's like, what do you know about the poor blacks? Like Joe's like, I came from there. Like how do you, how can you make me the enemy of the black people? Yeah, when- he, yeah, he, yeah. He took it as he took it personally. Like apparently, if you research Joe Frazier and learn anything about Joe Frazier, what you know, like those documentary stuff, he he hated Ali for this. Yeah, to like. The bitter end. Like I'm not even talking about after the fight. It's like they kind of still did some um, stuff together afterwards. But he would even say things like, you know, look at later on when Ali really has like the suffering from Parkinson's. He's like, you know, look at us now. Who do you think won those fights and stuff like that? He still had bitter, bitter yeah. anger for Ali. I'm sure towards the end, I think it got a little bit better. But they were not. He was still just couldn't forgive him for all the things that he said during these fights and what he portrayed Frazier to be. Well, so the first fight, obviously, um, you know, if you guys watch these documentaries, uh, Ali loses the first night, first fight. Yeah, um, he anonymous doesn't get decision. knocked out. Yeah. I mean, he gets knocked down once, but he gets up after like three seconds. But he yeah, anonymous decision. He loses the first one, and then he winds up having a second Frazier fight because there's three, as you mentioned. Uh, the second Frazier fight, but this one, judges award Ali with the anonymous decision, right? And they say he's kind of. Dancing a lot around around Frazier, and he does his whole yeah, the famous rope a dope strategy. Rope a dope like strategy. That, yeah. So he does wind up winning the next one, and this is when you have like, all right, so Ali's back. Um, however, the biggest fight post forced retirement because of the draft dodging is against George George Foreman. George Foreman, who most people know today from the George Foreman lean grill. mean cooking machine, right? The, yes. the grill, right? And so that, but he was a, he George Foreman in his own right is a two time world champion heavyweight boxer um and they fight him in the what becomes known as the rumble in the jungle right so you see these yep. and george foreman is one of if they, they measure they ever see rocky four you know they're measuring yep. ivan Dragoff's like you know punch power i guess what p whatever it is, yeah, is yeah, yeah. right george foreman has one of the h- hardest recorded ever. punches in, in history ever yep. like this guy hits hard like you know he hits you and i were dead <laughs> oh please and, what and stuff like that like, <laughs> you're like, trying to tickle me i would die what that's, 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 that's <laughs> yeah. what's gonna happen uh george For- there's a movie coming out about him george foreman now i just saw a preview for it, it looks really good um well, i'm yeah i remember watching boxing it was some i can't remember it was some boxing match right and like it got like it was in master Grande. it was like a riot i know someone in the comments can talk about it i don't remember it was one of those like 
and like piece of guy kept on hitting him below the belt. So the referee stopped the fight and it was like a riot. And I remember watching it. And, like, and then they, George Foreman was on, was on commentary at this point. And these guys were like, I guess, like coming over to like, I don't know, like give George Foreman, whoever they were, like hard times. The riot was happening all over the place. And George Foreman, this guy's in the 60s, just kind of stands up and is like, don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. It just starts like, you know, like acting like, yeah. like squaring up, get rid of the punch. And a guy just puts on a chair and walks off. Nice. Like you can find it on YouTube. So it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to mess with this. Never mind. You know what I mean? But yeah. anyway, so they fight. And well, it's we should a also mention, you know, like, fight, like it's a huge battle, but that's also because George Foreman had just won the title fight for heavyweight yes, champion. Yeah, yeah he's, so he's he heavyweight champion. He, champion. He, beat, he beat Frazier. Yes. Yeah. Before they, yes. Yeah, he, he's the one that knocked out Frazier before that second uh, fight. Before the second fight. Yep. Yeah. No one gave Ali a chance. He was an yep. underdog again. Yep. So Rumble in the Jungle. It's happening in Zaire, televised. From what I remember reading about this, was like in the middle of the night because of, of the difference in time. But people still set up like they wanted to see this this fight. And this is the this is the crazy part. Like like you said, no one gave him a shot, and he he winds up winning. Yeah, right. Well, he said if you he he had an interesting quote. Like he said, if you think the world was surprised when Nixon resigned, right? Wait till I whoop Foreman's behind. So he liked to do sort of like you know. Yeah, yeah. rhyming things he's saying how he like wrestled you hear alligators the quote from, and stuff like did, that yeah did you hear the for, a quote, george foreman later said that i thought ali was just one more knockout victim meaning like i just needed to punch him one time yeah. um but about the seventh round i hit him hard to the jaw and he held me and whispered in my ear that's all you got george and that's when i realized that this ain't what i thought it was yeah so he thought he was in a battle he was in like a war and that's it too he would he got in george foreman's head after that and that, yep. and that was basically, and he wound up um, beating him. I think what in the he didn't knock him out, right? No, it was he didn't knock him out. No, um, he wound up winning though by, by, by decision. Yeah, yeah. But so this was this is the crazy part. Uh, the fight was watched by a record estimated television audience of one billion viewers oh, worldwide. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. This was the event. Like in comparison, one hundred thirteen million watched a, a recent yeah. Super Bowl, and this was it's the worst. And this that, was yeah. one billion people watch this fight also it was the world's most watched live television broadcast of all time up to that point that's crazy yeah huge huge and ali wins so boom that propels him i mean like he well, is... now he, he's he's got his title back right he yep. has title that was strict of him so now he has his title back he's the world champion again which brings us he's... to third fight against joe frazier well he does fight a couple other people in between this all right one of them oh is this chuck... is a big story yeah yeah, yeah, yeah one of them is um chuck chuck Webner, right Mm-hmm. which is inspiration. He goes, he does knock Ali down. Ali later says he tripped over his um, Chuck's foot. That's what knocked him down. But and he almost goes 15 rounds with him. He was like this journeyman boxer, you know, and stuff like that, who, you know, goes the distance almost with the champ. And that's, that story is what inspires Sylvester Stallone to create Rocky. And if you watch the first Rocky, it's that fight. Like um, he even says, um, Apollo Creed is modeled after Muhammad Ali. Yeah, Joe Joe Frazier's in that movie. Yeah, Frazier's in the first Rocky movie. Crazy, too. But yeah, that's that. that's the whole idea. It's the fact that this Chuck wind up knocking Ali down at one point. He yeah. lost the fight, but that was the premise. Like Rocky knocks down Apollo right? Creed, Apollo and, he, and he goes and he goes a distance. That's even what he says, right? I don't want to. I'm not trying to win. I just want to go to distance. And yeah. then, of course, you know, because the movie becomes so successful, they have Rocky Oscars. two, three, four, yeah, yeah. five, yeah, everything else, and you know, this continues on to this day uh, with a lot of the stuff, but. Well, you know what? Talking about that, I literally before I gave up, came up here to do record this. I was watching Rambo three with my younger son. We are on the Rambo kick, um, so we watch one, two, and now we're watching three. And I said he's not allowed to watch four and five. Um, no, I thought I thought they were okay. We we saw the yeah, one but, in the movie. Yeah, theaters. but my kid's eleven. I should not let him watch the last. Well, one. Well, it's I pretty. Was, it's bloody. So my dad yeah. always. My dad showed my four year old Conan the Barbarian. Great movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you got to teach him, you know, toughness. Spirit. Yeah, until my wife and then my wife finds out about it, and we have issues. <laughs> what? What? Uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, anyway. So the third fight. Let's the go third back to this. Fight, yeah. So after that is the third fight against Joe Frazier, the Thriller in Manila, hundred degree Fahrenheit. This is a brutal fight. This is just a brutal, yeah, brutal fight. Like a back and forth. Um, these both men just refuse to lose. I yep. guess that's what I say. Like, there was such like a anger towards each other, right? And this was this was the one that settled it, right? This the this is yeah. this one was it was so bad that ultimately Frazier's trainer stopped it, stopped the fight, yeah. And Frazier was pissed. He's like, "No, I'm coming out," but he couldn't yeah, but see. He, he, he couldn't see. His eyes were so was swollen shut. Yeah, so he, yep. he couldn't see. And apparently, when the match was over, Ali just like fell down, like he was yep. done. He was done. And he said afterwards that like. It was the closest thing ever to dying. People asked him, "You know, have, have you ever watched it again?" He's like, "Why am I go, going to go watch, go back and watch Hell?" Hell, yeah, go back. You know, he's like, hell. "I have no." He want. He even considered retirement. 
after this match. He's like, I'm done. He, he, this was this was the big turn of events. Afterwards, he's he said that uh, he called Frazier the greatest fighter of all times next to me. Like he, he's like Frazier really like took him distance there. Yeah, he he had a lot of respect for Joe Frazier after that. And again, Joe Frazier still takes that as like kind of like a slight like I'm the greatest fighter next to you. Still, there was still animosity and stuff there, but he it definitely um, hurt him. He he was never the same. They said after that fight. And actually, we should talk about that because after this fight, it pretty much is the even though he still fought, it was every time he fought, it was wow, Ali's not looking as good as he once was. And every time yeah. that he fought after that, Ali would himself say. I am definitely retiring. I am definitely retiring. It was almost like the man wanted to retire, except I feel like he couldn't because one, the money aspect of it, and two, there was he was such a draw uh, financial for so many people. That people want, on yeah, exa- that, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Even his his one doctor actually retired, um, quit because he said he was saying that his kidneys were falling apart. Yep. He can't box anymore. So you got to remember, you get punched constantly in like your kidneys. I mean, over years. That's gonna has effects on you. So he just quit because he's like, I don't know how he's still getting the athletic commission keeps on approving him. Probably yeah. wouldn't have happened today. It probably Yeah, yeah. I would think it wouldn't happen today, but who knows? I don't know much about athletic commissions, but just knowing how like, you know, coaching if someone gets hit in the head with a volleyball, they're out six weeks. Yeah. You know, like the percussion rightfully so I'm not saying, but with all the percu- you know, concussion protocols, you know, if your kidneys are failing and they and you're passing. Like, and the thing is that he would fail. Actually, he would fail the physicals, and he would then go somewhere else. Yeah, and then he would the go somewhere thing. else. Exactly, yeah. and then they would like, oh yeah, you're okay. And then he would get the boxing commission to say, yeah, he's ready to fight. But each time he looked worse and worse and worse. Um, and even the thing that was interesting when I was reading about this is that he would still win fights, but some people like sort of booing him because like it wasn't like he wasn't fighting well. And it almost seemed like the judges were just giving him the win, even though when he didn't always deserve the win. And there was that again; it's, it's a claim whether that was a, that was the actual reality or not. But there was some people making those claims, and that's when it kind of the pinnacle here. This is like the the worst well, of the worst. Well, the first one is he loses the title right to Leon Spinks, yep, in Las Vegas, and he didn't even take that fight. Apparently, he was out of shape. He didn't really spar at all. Yep. He lost by a split decision. But the bout paid $6 million just admission, right? Well, yep. then a rematch, I'm sorry, he made $6 million at the Superdome in New Orleans. Uh, yep. If they want to see it. And he wins that unanimous decision. So he becomes the first ever three-time heavyweight champion of the world. Yep. And to he win the belt three times. Yep. The win the belt three times. And he retired after that fight. But then he comes back. Larry Holmes. Fight, this, was, this should have never the happened. Fight. Larry Holmes. And so apparently Larry Holmes did not want to fight Muhammad Ali. Because he's like, this guy, you know, this he's is old. 19, this is what, 1979? Yeah. Like, no, this, this guy, no, this is October 1980. Muhammad Ali's up there. Like, he, he is, has yeah, retired so numerous yeah. times. So, yeah, so he's old and he's getting a boxer and fighting guys half his age. And yeah. Larry Holmes did not want to fight and had nothing left. And he knew it was going to be hard. And he goes and he beats him, you know, obviously. Yeah. They ordered the, and then ordered the, they ordered the fight to be stopped. And he, it's not like, this isn't even his last match. Like Ali no. fights fights again. Like he, he had fights exhibition again. bouts. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to some of those, but he fought. No, he fights. Um, Trevor. He said, fights Trevor. Few, Bar- Trevor. Yeah. Trevor. Yeah. Trevor uh, Barrick, and that was uh, he lost in ten rounds, and that yeah. was in December of '81. So you know, he people kept on calling him to re- retire, and he said in the Holmes fight, he actually um, started to show um, Parkinson syndrome. Yep. Sylvester Stallone, Rocky, was actually on the side of that fight, they said. Yeah. And yeah, he said it was like, um, it was the worst sporting event he ever had. A, well, that was someone else. Yeah. Somebody yeah. that said it was the worst sporting event he ever had to cover. And Stallone said it was like watching an autopsy on a man who's still alive. Because he just yeah. couldn't defend himself. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, this is just sad. You know, you're seeing this legend. You know, just, you know, he can't win his father's time. He's being, he's the onset of Parkinson's It was about syndrome. money. It was about putting him up there to try to make money. Um, to get, yeah, one more fight and just to make money. You see, you see happens yeah. a lot, I guess, with... Uh, yeah. Just athletes, I guess. With but athletes, yeah. Just exploiting him. There's no way he should have been in that fight. Um, he was past his prime, and and again, then they get him after this when he's it was again people. This was televised. Caesar's Palace, Las Vegas, and you could watch this fight. I actually went back and watched this fight, and it's pretty bad. And the fact that he fights afterwards in '81, I don't. He loses that's what that saying. one. He loses that yeah. one too. Yeah, that's why I remember seeing a lot of like documentaries on him. Like the life home fight was one thing, right? Like, he wants to like try to win the back to tight, whatever. But then the fight one more time after that against uh, uh, Bearbreaker is just kind of like, what do you do? Like, why are people forcing him in? They're saying it was that was more like his handlers and stuff like that. Like, come on, champ, you can still do it. Nuts. And it just it just wasn't. Well, it was, then after that, like no one obviously wanted to see him fight again. It was just too much. 
So let's. So that's pretty much ends. I mean, that that in '81 that ends his career as a professional. As a professional fighter. boxer, yeah. So again, we're yeah. not really a boxing podcast, but some of the other things that he did, you know, transcend that. Obviously, you know, um, what he was doing. Well, so let's get into the thing that I kind of found really interesting, this idea of the spoken word poetry and rap music. Spoken word is, refers to like an oral poetic performance art that's kind of like poetry that you're like, you're like, you're basically reading poetry, but you're reading it in like a, a, it's not a rap. It just kind of has a different flow to it. Like tones and stuff like that. Um, Ali released a um, spoken word music record on Columbia Records, I Am the Greatest, in 64. He wound up recording cover version of uh, Stand By Me. He is viewed as an influential figure for hip-hop music and artists uh, because of his rhymes and stuff that he said. They they called it he had like funky delivery and very comical trash talk. Uh, And they said he's endlessly quotable. So you're talking about just freestyle skills. He would literally like freestyle at yeah. people while he was offending them. Run DMC, L Cool J, Kanye West, uh, Nas, Jay-Z. These are people that actually point to Muhammad Ali as, as an inspiration for them to write their music, which, again, I was not really aware of that. Also, during him, when his health and everything that's going on, he starts to really advocate for Parkinson's disease. Right? Yes. He teams up with Michael J. Fox, another individual who was stricken with this disease. Um, 2001, he has the Ali the biopic comes out. I didn't know that came out only 2001. I thought it came out way later than that. You know, when Will Smith plays Ali. Yep. But that came out in 2001. That's Man, nuts. That makes, I thought that came out way before then. Doing that sort of thing. He does um, contribute to an on-camera segment after 9-11 attacks to raise money for, for the victims. Yep. Like we said, we talked about the 96 Olympics and stuff like that. By 2001, he's obviously getting a little bit worse. He has this interesting quote. He says, I'm blessed and thankful to God that I understand he's trying me. This is a trial from God. He gave me this illness to remind me that I am not number one. He is. I feel like that's a very like Muhammad Ali thing to say too in that moment. You'll see, I remember seeing him from time to time on TV. Um, he held the flag in the opening ceremonies for the U.S. Um, yeah, the he was a flag bearer, yeah. In 2012. Yeah, he meets – he actually runs – not runs, but he helps supports Ronald Reagan in his re-election bid in the 80s. Oh, he, meets of, he meets a lot of the presidents, yeah. Yeah, I mean this – he is – George W. Bush gives him the Presidential Medal of Freedom, I think, in 2005. Yep. Yep, so yep. he's on that. So And then obviously he – unfortunately, he passes away in um, – Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Arizona. Arizona on June 2nd, 2016. Yeah, at the age of seventy-four, we should also mention that his daughter becomes a very famous boxer. Yeah, Leila Ali. Yeah, yeah, and he initially is very much against female boxing against, yeah. until he sees his daughter box, and then he kind of is like, "I'm sorry." I well, she her. actually fights um, Joe Frazier's daughter while speaking yeah. of boxer, and uh, they, she fights her. I remember that it was like a big thing. Remember Muhammad Ali fought the um, wrestler guy. Well, that's what I was going to talk Japan. about. Inoki, yeah, in Japan. That's what yeah. I was going to talk about. I guess when we got to the um, fun facts, like the, the fun facts, because a lot of people. It was a horrible match. I I remember. I didn't see it. Obviously, when I was a kid. I remember my cousin telling me about it. This is the whole thing. Like, who would win a boxer versus a wrestler, right? And the whole idea was, you know, the boxer will win if it's just you know if they're standing up, but if a wrestler can take them down, the wrestler will win, right? And what they're saying is it kind of like was the precursor for MMA fights. A lot of MMA fighters say they saw this fight. And although the fight itself wasn't great because of, you know, um, some of these rules or controversies that happened with it, which I guess we can talk about in a second. It kind of inspired them to kind of wonder what would go on. It kind of led to eventually a lot of this missed martial arts and like UFC and stuff like that today. But Ali got really messed up in this fight too. Yeah, that's basically what I read it. Because, yeah, they basically, right before the match, they decided that, you know, there was no tackling or kicking and stuff like that. Or Inoki could only have, who Inoki, if you don't know who Antonio Inoki is, he's like for wrestling, like Hulk Hogan of Japan. Like he's yeah. huge. In Japan. Hulk Hogan, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali of Japan. This guy yeah. is respected. He actually is so respected. He actually led a um, peace mission to, to North Korea during the 1980s, yeah. right? which Ali goes with. They become great friends after this. In the 1980s, they both visit North Korea and you know trying to negotiate peace and just as a peaceful mission. But anyway, like Ali um, Anoki couldn't, he wasn't at the kick unless one foot was on the on the ground. So he kept on. That's what he did. In the whole match, he's basically just laying on his back, like kicking Ali in the shins and in the legs. Yeah, you, you can see this on YouTube. Oh, yeah, it's there, and people were booing. They were excited about it because they wanted to stay there. They were going to see who would actually win, and but basically, um, it caused blood clots and an infection. And they said Ali's leg was almost amputated. Which was they, like this crazy. guy literally laid on the ground. It just and kicked just him for 15 kicked, rounds. Kicked him. Kicked him. From the, the ground. In a, in a, yeah. Like right in the same spot. These like calf kicks. Boom, 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 boom. To the point, yeah. It was it's, it was a sad fight because like Ali couldn't even hit him. That guy was literally on the ground the whole time. 
Well, because yeah, that was, and there's Kinda a lot nice. of speculation on like what happened with that. Even though, like they told him, I know he couldn't do things or then because it was going to be like an exhibition first. I guess it was supposed to be like more like a wrestling match. Like someone was going to win. Yeah. And then like, now let's actually do it. Like expedition fight. And then they were kind of like arguing on, you know, the rules of it. Like, all right, we well, can't have him tackling Ali. This is not going to be fair. Because before this, if you saw Ali almost had a boxing match with Wilt Chamberlain. But yeah. then the Lakers owner offered Chamberlain a contract, said, you have to not box. I'm not paying you this contract if you box. But they were actually going to fight each other. And Ali was like talking him to him, be like, oh, you're going to hear Timber when I knock you down, big guy, and stuff like that. So again, you know, building it up. But anyway, like, it, this was like one of those matches where people wanted to see, and it made a lot of money. But then actually seeing it, it, it was like horrible. But it, yeah. it does give some, um, a lot of mixed martial artists say this is one of the first mixed martial arts fights and stuff like that. or really like inspired them um, to see what would really happen if they actually did, you yeah. know? Uh, so let's get into so finish up with some fun facts and maybe some quotes because I, I did find a bunch of quotes. But some of the fun facts: uh, Ali appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated yes. on thirty eight different occasions. Yes, only one person ahead of him. Yep, and that is Michael Jordan um, yes, Michael with forty six times. Also, he appeared on the cover of Time Magazine five times. Muhammad Ali, most of any athlete, which is kind of crazy. On top of that, Bruce Lee actually wrote yeah. in Ali's footwork. He was influenced by Ali's footwork, and he studied it through various different like movies and, and clips of fighting. And he developed Jeet Kune Do, which was like his fight, start of fighting rather. And he incorporated Ali's foot movement into Jeet Kune Do. What else do we have? Uh, there, Ali was actually in a DC comic book. I'm surprised you didn't say this, Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah. He fought Superman. Yeah. yeah I, it, think I, I have it somewhere. Are you serious? Oh, that's cool. I, it's, yeah, it's, it's just basically Superman loses his power. So they're, he's boxing with Muhammad Ali to while it, it, like these aliens made it happen. While he's like okay. they're using it to like distract, why like I think like someone else, Jimmy Olsen or something, like finds a way back to Earth. Like right. it was one of those. It was more. It was not one of the better stories, obviously, it's but it was more just like a promotional thing. You had you seeing Ali fight Superman, and Superman's like, "Oh, if I didn't have my powers, you would definitely beat me," and stuff like that. That's kind of cool. I guess, yeah. right? Uh, also, When We Were Kings, which was a 1996 documentary that we referenced before about the rumble in the jungle uh, between him and Frazier, it won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature, which is kind of cool. And he wound up getting a Hollywood Walk of Fame star um, for his contribution to the entertainment industry. What, what other fun facts do you have about this guy? Well, it's an interesting one is that his um, boxing gloves from his first world title win actually sold for more money. They sold for over eight hundred thousand dollars, and he only earned um, six hundred thousand dollars for the vic for the fight itself. Oh wow! So that just shows you know like but like the sports memorabilia I guess market. But yeah, the gloves from that fight from beating Sonny Liston actually were he Worth sold more for more money. Fight. Yeah, nuts. ESPN has a list of top ten quotes. Yeah, I saw one that I really like. Pops up. Yeah, go. Yeah, one I remember like, like telling some of my uh, players too from when I coach. Just be like when I talk about you know like how do you what makes champions or, you know, how do you like be successful? It's like, I like the one I saw it on this one. Like I don't count the sit-ups. I only start counting when it starts hurting because that's the only ones that count. That's yep. what makes you a champion. So they yep, talk yep. about, you know, the numbers aren't absolute and stuff like that. You know, you just have to, like, everyone's different. So I, I say you do a hundred pull-ups. That's different from someone else doing a hundred push-ups or pull-ups, whatever. It's just, you know, for you, like what needs to be done. Yeah. Another one I really liked is uh, it isn't the mountains ahead that wear you down. It's the pebble in your shoe. There was one, the last one I would say, it was, I guess it was one that was said later on in life. He said, I wish people would love everyone else the way they love me. It would be a better world. <laughs> like, that's just like kind of like looking at like, you know, the, the global perspective, you know, because he was just so, because he actually, um, one thing I forgot to mention was he actually, um, in 1990, he went to visit, he went to Iraq and met Saddam Hussein and negotiated a release of American hostages. Nuts. Because he was just so he was just Muhammad Ali, right? So he's actually this is Saddam Hussein. Like think about it, in the nineties, Muhammad Ali goes and meet with him. That is nuts. Like we never did one on Hussein, like the Persian Gulf War or something. Uh, yeah, I don't think we ever did the Persian Gulf. We should we talk about it. And this so. one, this this quote is. Um, I want to just two more. I want to mention and the one one everyone knows: float like a butterfly, Butterf sting yeah. like a bee. You can't hit what your eyes don't see. I mean, that's that's such, that's such like a like smack talk quote yeah I mean? but i feel like that's also like the subtitle to his life like that to his career rather like that's what he knew it was known for right flow like a butterfly sting like a bee uh this other quote i really like it's uh i am the greatest i said that even before i knew i was i figured that if i said it enough i would convince the world that i was really the greatest and that kind of really i think sums up his motif his personality 
of like, you know, like just he was the greatest. He believed in it and maybe the people would as well. And, you know, we're, we're talking about him now. Muhammad Ali, I think he is going yeah, to be known like just like oh, yeah. Michael Jordan is for everybody. Everybody knows yeah. him. You, they know the silhouette. If you see it, you see a picture, you know who it is. You hear the name, you know what it is. It goes back to one more quote that I really like for him that kind of sums up his life. Like, don't count the days, make the days count. Yeah. You know, and he, you could say he definitely did that with his time on earth, whether it was just boxing, like he would be remembered just for sports, right? From what he did, but with his activism, his humanitarianism, everything else that he did, it just adds to that legacy, that larger than life figure and how he inspired so many other people too. Like, let's yeah. not forget that. Forget about just boxers, but just people that he inspires later on in life with battling Parkinson's or just with everything else that he does. Like he changed lives. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, so yeah, so I think that pretty much sums up, uh, you know, our conversation. A brief look, brief look, yeah, brief like look, and our conversation on Muhammad Ali. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I mean, if you didn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I, no, but either way, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys next week. If you need to contact us, meanwhile, you could find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We are there. If you guys have any questions, comments, um, we do get a lot of different. Um, suggestions uh, we do write them down we do put them on our calendar we want you guys to know that and yeah that, yeah we, we're not we're not ignoring them we you know some we can do some we can't do yeah but um yeah we definitely appreciate it yeah we do get some colorful ones where we're like yeah we're probably not gonna do that one <laughs> yes <laughs> um, we can't do the history of whipped cream we're sorry just yeah, it's, no, it's not no, that much there. Yeah, yeah yeah not much there not much there <laughs> uh, but nonetheless we do try our best so thank you so much guys and uh we'll talk to you guys next week enjoy stay safe everybody I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Peter Zablocki, and I'm a historian, author, and college professor. I'm thrilled to invite you to check out Evergreen Network's History Shorts podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, join me on a journey through time, exploring the little-known and hidden gems of history. In each bite-sized episode, I'll dive into my original research to bring you intriguing historical curiosities you've probably never heard of, uncovering the fascinating stories that have shaped our world, from forgotten figures to overlooked events. And the best part? I've condensed all this historical goodness into manageable chunks, perfect for your on-the-go lifestyle. Whether you're commuting to work or squeezing in a quick break, History Shorts fits into the little time you probably think you don't have. Subscribe now and never miss an episode of the History Shorts podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts.